This episode is brought to you by Delta Airlines. One of the most underrated parts of a trip is that flight home. And that's why Delta Airlines tries to make you feel at home long before you even get there. Now, for somebody like me that's a homebody, feeling at home in the air is very valuable to me. And I love to curate that comfortable experience. And what I love about Delta is they have over a thousand hours of in-flight entertainment. They have Wi-Fi so I can do anything else that I want to do on my devices. They have great food and drink, and it just creates a positive end to my trip. They have fast, free Delta Sync Wi-Fi available for SkyMiles members, more than a thousand hours of in-flight entertainment, and they have premium food options and beverages like herbal teas, cold brew, sparkling wine, and more. All of the comforts that you'll find at home, you can find in a flight experience that feels made just for you. You may not be home yet, but Delta Airlines helps you feel a little bit more like it. Delta Airlines believes that you should feel at home, even if you're 30,000 feet above it. Learn more at Delta.com. This episode is brought to you by Happy Mammoth. Listen, over the last weekend, I went to a family reunion. And unfortunately, that fell on that particular time of the month that all of the women know what I'm talking about. So I had an attitude I wanted to eat everything, and I was in the South, which means I wanted to eat everything that was terrible for me. And overall, I just wasn't feeling it. I had a great time, just wasn't feeling like myself. Now it's easier to manage PMS with estro control. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now, here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors, like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the show code BLESSED at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code BLESSED for 15% off today. You are listening to Blessed and Bossed Up, presented by Anchored Media, an entrepreneurship podcast for Christians all about how to make God the CEO of your business. Get ready to be inspired, challenged, but well-equipped to live and build your destiny his way. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Blessed and Bossed Up podcast. Today's episode, I want to talk to you guys about the importance of rightfully dividing truth. As many of you guys know from listening to the podcast, we recently had our business meeting with God Challenge and the society. What I loved about this challenge was that it was different than how we usually do our challenges historically. So our challenges usually consist of a bunch of sessions. We have guest speakers and a bunch of fun things happening. But this time I really wanted to focus on the lifestyle necessary to really build a business and build your life God's way. We had, of course, a ton of of breakthrough. So one of the things we did every morning was we had our prayer calls. And one of the things that just kept coming up over the course of the week was just the importance of rightfully dividing truth. 
And one of our hosts, Dr. Sharla, she talked about spiritual gluttony. And I was like, man, I'm, when I tell you how God was moving through this challenge, and I'm actually going to interview Sharla. Today is Sunday when I'm going to put the podcast out. So tomorrow I'm going to interview her uh, and just have a conversation about spiritual gluttony because I feel like it was a powerful point that she made. And so we'll bring that conversation to the podcast. But on one of the mornings that I was praying, I just could not let up like God was not letting up on me to talk about to talk to the people about the importance of rightfully dividing truth and one of the things that frustrates me so much when it comes to just being a a Christian and being um, in the online space is all the fluff all the foolishness and honestly just the flat out lies (laughs) people that are just spewing things And acting like it's sound doctrine and it simply isn't. And what's even more, I expect people to be people. So people have been using scripture to manipulate the masses since the beginning of time. But what really bothers me is when the regular everyday person who wants to grow closer to God, who wants to live their life his way, who wants to build a business his way is being deceived because of a because of biblical ignorance because of truly not doing the things and doing the work to be transformed by God and so you end up going to what feels the best as opposed to what's actually biblically sound and for some of you guys who are listening and this is why God wanted me to bring this to the podcast some of you guys who are listening your inability to rightfully divide, divide truth is why your business is not where you want it to be It's why your platform isn't growing because if God was to elevate you and to bless you right now with what you're asking for, you will do much more harm than good. You will scar more people than you save. And it's not that it's intentional. And to a certain point, whether you have good intentions or bad intentions, the result is the most important thing. So if you're still scarring somebody, even though you had good intentions, the person is still scarred. And this is why it's so important that we learn how to rightfully divide truth. And that's why I'm bringing this to the podcast, because you have to know how to do this for two things. One, so that you only tolerate sound doctrine. And then two, so that you correctly explain truth. One of my favorite quotes is actually from my husband. And so he and I, when we first started dating, we're just talking a lot about, you know, our backgrounds and stuff like that. And so he has this background where he calls it the period of his life when he was a bum and the period that I met him he was really on the up and up he had just got a CPA license we met at work Um, he was just really building his life up and I remember as I was getting to know him and getting to know like his transformation in a sense I was asking like well what was the difference between that bum season that you call it to where you are now And one of the things he told me that really the catalyst for his transformation, he said that he realized that your input equals your output. And he realized he was ingesting a bunch of negative things and a bunch of things that didn't reflect what he wanted to see in his life. And so one of the things he started switching was he was reading the word and all of these different things and that transformed him. But just that quote of your input equals your output is something that's always stuck with me from one of those early on conversations that we have. And when how that relates to how to rightfully divide truth is some of you guys, when it comes to scripture and faith and doctrine, you're ingesting and spitting out 
confusion. You're ingesting confusion and spitting out confusion. What I loved within the society during this um, business meeting with God challenge is the revelation and the aha moments that people were getting by just focusing on their personal time with God and being in their word. The biggest part of this challenge was drowning out the noise. So we listened to no podcasts, no social media, no YouTube, no sermons. I told everybody, go to your church home, the place that God planted you to be led in. But all everything else, cut it off, get right into your word and spend time with God. And we had, you know, different rules of the challenge. But to hear truths being revealed, God putting a mirror up to people's faces and showing how they've been operating in confusion. It was just so beautiful to me. And it just further drived my passion behind talking about this subject here on the show. So let's actually park in 2 Timothy for a bit. Now in 2 Timothy, this book was written by Paul. Paul was getting ready to get executed and he was writing this book in particular, this letter to Timothy. So Timothy was a pastor at the church of Ephesus and essentially Timothy was like Paul's mentee. And these were Paul's final words, just if he could teach and tell Timothy one last thing before he went on to be with the Lord. That's what second Timothy is. And this book speaks so much about rightfully dividing truth and only tolerating sound doctrine. And again, this is one of the reasons why you need to make sure that you're rightfully dividing truth so that you're not ingesting confusion. So you're not ingesting poison. In second Timothy four, three, Paul says, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. One of my favorite resources is gotquestions.org. It just, any question that you have about the Bible, they break it down and break it down specifically by cross-referencing scripture and giving context to scripture, not just people talking out the Saturday neck. (laughs) So gotquestions.org breaks down 2 Timothy 4 and 3 this way. The Greek word translated itching literally means to itch, rub, scratch, or tickle. To want one's ears tickled is to desire massages rather than messages, sermons that charm rather than challenge, entertain rather than edify, and please rather than preach. The people Paul warns about will have, as one commentator put it, ears which have to be continually titillated with novelties. Itching ears is a figure of speech that refers to people's desires, felt needs, or wants. It is these desires that impel a person to believe whatever he wants to believe rather than the actual truth itself. When people have itching ears, they decide for themselves what is right or wrong, and they seek out others to support their notions. Itching ears are concerned with what feels good or comfortable, not with the truth. Because after all, truth is uncomfortable. Paul's warning is that the church will one day contain those who only open their ears to those who will scratch their itch. And I'll stop there. If you click the link in the show notes, I'll provide like a sheet that gives you the links to the different articles that I'm going to reference here, as well as the scripture. Now, Take a second and I want us to have an introspective honesty moment. The good thing about this podcast is we're not face-to-face. I don't know what's, what's going on where you are and your side of the world right now, 
but I want you to just have a true, honest, introspective moment and say, have you been guilty of having itching ears? And I'm not saying this to condemn you, to make you feel bad, but just so that we can be honest, because when we can be honest, we can repent, right? And you can go back to God and say, Lord, forgive me for having itching ears. Forgive me for ingesting confusion, for allowing my flesh to draw me to what's comfortable as opposed to letting my spirit draw me towards you so that you can renew and transform me. God, I know that it's uncomfortable that the truth can be uncomfortable. And I know being transformed by your word can be uncomfortable. And that's why I've been running from it because I haven't wanted to face myself. I haven't wanted to face my sin. I haven't wanted to face my disobedience, but God, I'm turning away from what my flesh wants. I'm turning away from what tickles my ears. And God, I want to turn to your truth. Because it's through honesty and vulnerability and transparency and surrendering that God can truly do a thing in us, that he can transform us. So again, are you guilty of having itching ears? If you're not sure, when is the last time that you went to God about something uncomfortable? I was in therapy, um, I think this was a couple of weeks ago. And one of the things she told me about myself was that I have avoidance behavior. So when something, if I know something is going to be uncomfortable, it's something I don't necessarily want to deal with because I don't want to deal with the emotions that are attached to that thing. It's just something that's overall not something that feels good to me. I will probably avoid it. And that's not in every area. It's more so in soft spots for me. So something like business or just tough conversations or conflict in general and relationships and stuff like that. I don't have an issue with that. I prefer to kind of just deal with a thing so that we can move past it. But when it comes to things that are like a soft spot for me personally, that's when my avoidance tendencies start to show themselves or show itself. Now, I was praying about this because we, me and a the therapist were talking about a very specific subject. That's a soft spot for me. So I don't talk about it often and especially not publicly, but we were talking about, um, that subject. And so when I went into prayer, God was showing me, you even allowed this avoidance tendency to keep you from truly facing the uncomfortable parts of this aspect of your life with me. And God was right because there were a lot of, I go to God about everything, but, and then I go to God about this particular area, but there's a certain piece of hurt that I just avoid with God as well. And he began to show me that about myself. And I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to face this thing head on. So as I was even researching about avoidance tendencies, people who have this type of behavior, behavior pattern, We do this as a defense mechanism so that you don't have to feel the feels, but honestly, it just causes more destruction and more stress. So for example, procrastination is an avoidance tendency. You don't want to do whatever it is that you're doing. So you're doing everything else. You're pushing it to the back burner. You're pushing it to the back burner. I'm going to do it tomorrow. I'm going to do it tomorrow. I'm going to do it tomorrow. Then when it's time for you to actually do it, it causes you more stress because now you got to scramble, you're rushing all of these different things to get it done. So when you try to avoid something, most of the time, 
is going to cause more harm than good than if you were to just deal with whatever it is. And then even something more deeper or more traumatic, if you're deal if you are struggling to forgive someone, or maybe there's some trauma that you're going through and you keep avoiding it, you keep avoiding it, that it just continues continuously roots more bitterness, more anger, more of these negative seeds that are not beneficial for anyone. It just creates more of that. So as opposed to where if you would just deal with it, you will be healthy and you will be whole and you will be healed from it. So this type of behavior is detrimental on all fronts and especially spiritually, because if you're running from these uncomfortable truths, then you're running towards pimps, masked as pastors and preachers. You're running towards these master manipulators. And so now you're exposing yourself to confusion and you're ingesting confusion. And remember your input equals your output. So again, we have to learn how to rightfully divide truth so that we are ingesting and we only tolerate sound doctrine, not confusion, sound doctrine. Don't unintentionally become just like that person who hurt you or who misrepresented God to you because you don't do your due diligence to correctly understand the context and the truth of the word. And I'll get into some hows in a second, but you should never be in a position where you only know the Bible through somebody else's interpretation of it. You should be able to study to show yourself approved. You should know the word for yourself. But let me, let me not get ahead of myself. You also need to rightfully divide truth so that you can correctly explain truth. Remember, we don't want to become like these people who are preaching feel good messages. We want to be out here and be biblically sound. Second Timothy 2.15, I just said this, work hard so that you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Godquestions.org broke this down well. It says that Timothy had, and remember Paul in Second Timothy, Paul is writing a letter to Timothy. Timothy had incredible advantages. He was taught the word of God by his mother and his grandmother, and he was discipled by Paul and served with Paul in ministry for years. Timothy knew the word of God and was well-equipped. Even still, Paul tells Timothy that he needed to be diligent in the study of the word and in rightfully dividing the word of truth. Without that continuing, meaning not just a one-time thing, without that continuing diligent in the word, Timothy will not be able to stand firm and he would not be able to maintain sound teaching. If you don't stay in the word, you will not be able to stand firm. You will not be able to maintain sound teaching. I cannot come on here for the last, what? This podcast is almost six years old. So we're going to remove the first year because I wasn't talking about God. So for five years, I have been on here talking to y'all about the Lord. And this isn't from my, I'm not preaching to you from a revelation I had five years ago. I come on here telling you real-time revelations from being in my word. I tell you real-time testimonies from seeing God work. I tell you real-time breakthrough 
from the from just dedication and consistency and continuing diligence in the word. Paul warned Timothy to pay attention to himself and to his teaching. Because all scripture is God breathed and is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. It is exactly what we need in order to be equipped for every good work God intends for us. Remember I said that some of you guys, you have not gotten a breakthrough in your business and your platforms that you're looking for. It's because you are trying to breathe your own abilities, education, track record onto something that can only be God breathed. And because you've been, uh, uh, because your avoidance behavior has led you to having itching ears, you have not been diligent in studying the word of God for yourself. So you, because of that, you haven't been equipped with what you need in order to do what God is calling you to do. One of the prayer calls, I think this was the last one in the society last week, someone has said, and this one brought me to tears. This joint, when I tell you, had me ugly crying afterwards. She said, I'm a preacher's kid. I've been in church my whole entire life and had, and did not know how to really live out the word of God. I came into this, this society and I've never heard the word taught in such a, a practical way. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but she said, I never heard the word taught in such a practical way that I can understand and apply. She said, this is a training ground. And that blessed me so much. That blessed me so much because I could care less about myself being exalted anywhere. I just want to do what God called me to do, provide opportunities for people to see and experience the God who changed my life and see and experience how that same God will change their lives and allow them to change lives and them to change lives. The breakdown in gotquestions.org goes on to say, literally success in handling the word is to cut it properly or correctly. This is farming imagery as a farmer who was plowing a field would seek to cut straight furrows in order to plant rows of seed. When plowing, a farmer would look at a point on the other side of the field and focus on that point to ensure the line cut in the dirt was straight. This is what a good student of the word is doing as well. Remaining focused on the goal or outcome and being diligent to handle the word of God properly. To rightfully divide the word of truth is to cut it straight. Ultimately, in studying the word, we are trying to understand what the author has said and not allow our own opinions or views to cloud the meaning of what he has written. When we are diligent to cut straight, to rightfully divide the word of truth, we can understand what he has communicated in his word and be well equipped for what he would have us do and how he would have us think. And so speaking of the how, right? So now we know why we need to rightfully divide truth, right? Quick recap, so that we only tolerate sound doctrine for ourselves and two, so that we correctly explain the truth. Now let's, I want to break down just four quick things on how you can make sure that you're rightfully dividing the truth. Now understand 
this is not a one-time thing to check off. For all my type A people who are looking for a checklist, you're looking for something to cross off. No, no, no. This is a lifestyle. So the first thing that you need to do is make your feelings, desires, preferences, and thoughts fit the word of God and not the other way around. The Bible tells us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Our upbringing, our culture, so many things have conditioned our perspectives, the way that we think, the language that we use, the food that we eat, all of these things. But when you are in Christ, you are a new thing. God knew you before he formed you in your mother's womb. So your job on this life of living life God's way, doing business God's way, all of that is not to make the word fit you and what you want to accomplish, but to make you fit the word, to make your goals fit the word, your processes fit the word, the way that you speak, the way that you think fit the word, your perspectives, your opinions fit the word and not the other way around. This is going to take some real humility. This is going to take some dying to yourself, but it's necessary and you have to do it because otherwise you may find yourself in with spiritual avoidance behaviors or find yourself going to what messages tickle your ears versus things that allow you to face uncomfortable truths. The second thing you need to do to rightfully divide truth is to develop a lifestyle of fasting and praying. Fasting and praying. And when I say fasting, I mean, I want you to read Isaiah 58. And let me just go ahead and read it in the Thug Life version, which is the the message uh, translation. So in the message translation in Isaiah 58, starting at verse one, the title of this here is called Your Prayers Won't Get Off the Ground. Verse one says, shout, a full-throated shout. Hold nothing back, a trumpet blast shout. Tell my people what's wrong with their lives. Face my family, Jacob, with their sins. They're busy, busy, busy at worship and love studying all about me. To all all appearances, they're a nation of right living people, law abiding, God honoring. They ask me what's the right thing to do and love having me on their side. But they also complain. Why do we fast and you don't look our way? Why do we humble ourselves and you don't even notice? Well, here's why. The bottom line on your fast days, in quotations, is profit. You drive your employees much too hard. You fast, but at the same time, you bicker and fight. You fast, but you swing a mean fist. The kind of fasting you do won't get your prayers off the ground. Do you think this is the kind of fast I'm after? A day to show off humility? To put on a pious long face and parade around solemnly in black? Do you call that fasting a fast day that I, God, would like? This is the kind of fast day I'm after. To break chains of injustice, to get rid of exploitation in the workplace, free the oppressed, cancel debts. What I'm interested in seeing you do is sharing your food with the hungry, inviting the homeless poor into your homes, putting clothes on the shivering ill-clad, being available to your own families. Do this and the lights will turn on and your lives will turn around at once. Your righteousness will pave your way. The God of glory will secure your passage. Then when you pray, God will answer. You'll call out for help and I'll say, here I am. So this scripture in Isaiah 58, and I read one through eight, 
this is just all about, I'm sorry, I read one through nine. So this is all about the proper way to fast. So these people were caught up in fasting for show, right? We did all the things. We did this, we did that. So why are you not answering us? They were checking things off a list. Their heart wasn't right. They weren't truly humbling themselves and being devoted to God. And so God is like cute, but your prayers ain't going nowhere with that. That ain't, that ain't fasting to me. This is what I want you to do. And God says to humble yourself. So again, when I'm telling you about praying and fasting, I'm not saying starve yourself all day and be like, all right, God, so I did it. I ain't ate nothing. My stomach touching my spleen, God. So surely that mean breakthrough coming. No, not, not that, but truly just fasting, having that heart posture of surrendering, of being open, of being vulnerable, of seeking him, of being humble. So again, you want to rightfully divide truth, develop a lifestyle of fasting and praying because God is going to reveal things to you. He's going to show, show you things. He's going to open your eyes to certain things. He's going to put the mirror up to your face. He's going to transform you. When I first started growing in my relationship with God, he told me to fast one day a week for a year. And for a whole year, every Monday I fasted. And that year truly built a foundation for my life that I can see now as being so necessary. So necessary. There's no way I could be where I am today if it wasn't for that year of humility and humbling myself and growing closer to God. So the third thing that I need you to do to rightfully divide truth is to be sober and vigilant. That's in 1 Peter 5, 8. Sober is defined a free of intoxicating influences. Now, sobriety is not just about drugs and alcohol. It can also, it's also about emotion, anger, anxiousness, sadness. These are all intoxicating influences. And these intoxicating influences will lead you away from God and will lead you into confusion. When we talked about itching ears, people went to what made them feel good. That's an intoxicating influence. You also need to be vigilant. Vigilant is, is, is a word and it's defined as watch carefully. When you are in a place where you're learning the word, watch carefully. Pay attention to the fruit. You can judge a tree by its fruit. And fruit is not money and, re and resources and all the bright, shiny things that look good to you. Pay attention to fruit, people's character, their integrity, their humility, their effectiveness in the things of God. Because people could be real loud and prideful. That's not a fruit of the spirit. So be vigilant, be sober, pay attention. Make sure you're free of intoxicating influences. And lastly, another way for you to divide scripture, or excuse me, rightfully divide truth, every word that you get, line it up with scripture. When you're sitting and you're listening to a message and they're breaking down a word, write it down and then go back and read that text for yourself. Not just to always be, you know, fact checking the person, because that's a part of it, but also so that you really know what it says and the details surrounding, by, uh, surrounding what it says. And God will also reveal specific things to you as you read the text. So you should always go back and line things up with scripture. If somebody gives you a prophetic word, 
line it up? Is it in alignment with what God has been telling you? I was at an event recently and this lady walked up to me and, um, she was like, and I'm very, I don't, I don't be playing when it comes to people trying to give me words. I don't accept words from everybody. I don't let anybody, just anybody speak into my life. I would politely smile and say, no, thank you. So, um, this lady came up to me, she was nice, but she was still wrong. So she had came up to me and she was just asking, I forgot what she was saying, but she caught herself trying to like prophesy to me and she was just wrong. And I let her talk. I didn't agree with anything she said. I was very straight faced. I didn't give, you know, sometimes people give you kind of like uh, nonverbal feedback where they might shake their head or something like that or nod or something. I wasn't doing none of that. I was just sitting in there, very sh- poker face, straight face, waiting for her to be finished because she was dead wrong. And I could have called her out about being dead wrong, but that wasn't a time or place. And I just didn't care. I was just waiting for her to be finished. So, um, she was speaking these different things and she was simply wrong. Now she would have said something that was like negative. Then I would have said something, but it was just a bunch of like fluffy words that were also just still a bit incorrect because I know better. Um, but people will try to speak into your life and you have to line it up. Is this what God has been revealing to me? Is this what God has been talking to me about in my, um, quiet time with him? Is this in alignment with the scriptures that God has been having me reading? Oh, I heard this word. You told, you told me this scripture. Let me go read it. Is that actually what it says? What's the context of it? Let me read the, the details. Let me look these words up. I don't know. Let me study this. So you have to be a student of the word and just always fact check and always line things up with the word. So I'm going to end this episode with a prayer. Um, because God told me to, I usually don't pray at the end of the, the episodes, but I actually forgot. And then he reminded me. So I want to make sure I, I cover that here on this show. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for being a loving father. You are the perfect parent. You correct us. You reveal, you heal, and you make sure that we have the information that we need to get back in right standing with you, Lord God. Father, I pray on behalf of anyone who has been revealed some uncomfortable truths about themselves over the course of this episode, Father. I pray that they see it as a loving rebuke, one that makes them run closer to you and not farther away from you, God. I pray that you will allow them to repent and then also show them that you will always be a soft space to land, that you're not like the people who have hurt them or who have shamed them into repentance, but you are a God who uh, allows us to face these uncomfortable truths, but then you love us right through them, God. I thank you that you are showing yourself to them as a forgiving father. I rebuke any plan of the enemy to make anything about this episode be condemning, to make people feel shame, to feel uh, upset, or to to look down on themselves in any type of way. But God, I pray that you release uh, a peace on them, God, but also a sense of urgency to course correct and run back to you, Lord. 
I cancel any plan of the enemy to try to steal this word from taking root in their hearts, Lord God, to try to draw any more confusion because we know that he comes to kill, steal, destroy. But we also know that we have the victory and the power to trample upon lions and serpents. We know that we are already victorious over all his schemes. So we remind the enemy of his rightful place right now, which is under our feet. Hallelujah. No longer will we allow him to cause disorder and confusion in our relationship with you. No longer will we open up these doors to allow ourselves to be confused and go sit in these places or consume this content that just breeds confusion. I pray that your daughters and sons will close every single door that they've opened up to the enemy to cause confusion in their lives. God, I pray that they close it, that they repent, that they close it, that they seal it with the blood of Jesus and that they turn away from it. God, I pray that they uproot every single thing that they've allowed to be planted, that they break any word covenants um, that they've made with uh, the enemy and any of these confusing things. God, I pray that they break denounce every single thing, God, that they may have come into agreement with. And I thank you, Father, that they are rightfully replanting you as their strong tower, as their safe space, as their place of refuge, as their one true living God. I pray that you're revealing any idols that they may have placed in their lives intentionally or unintentionally, God. And I pray that they're breaking down those false altars, that they're breaking down and dismantling those false altars, God. I hear God saying that some of you have made your vision boards an altar. You've made it an altar and you have subconsciously now constantly gone after things to make all of those pictures and words and things that you put on that vision board come true. But it's an idol. It is out of order. You can only serve one. He is the one true living God. He doesn't fit your plan. You make your plan fit him. Hallelujah. So I thank you, God, for the truth, for the truth. In Jesus glorious name, I pray. Amen. I love you guys. And I will talk to you next week.